This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Ross with Longley Fertilia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy. I didn't I didn't get a monster and I'm regretting it. I was leaving work. I was like, you know, I'll be I'll be good. I'm fine. I don't need it. I'll be all right. Wrong. I haven't had a drop of caffeine in months. There's no way. You've had to have had some. Diet Coke? No, you don't even drink dark soda. I, yeah, I do drink Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke. It's actually my favorite soda. But the only time I drink it is on those fancy soda fountains, and they have the caffeine-free <laughs> version. Oh, the gold label. Yes. He's fancy. It's the only time no, I, I do. I do pre-workout at 4 a.m. and go to the gym and then hit the monster before work to keep my energy buzzing. <laughs> no, man. I can't do it. I would have a freaking heart attack. I had so there's those C4s, and I'll get those every now and then. Like, if it's really bad, I'll get one of those C4s, but those make my skin itch. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they have the um, they have beta alanine in it, like that's it makes, the ingredient, yeah, it yes. makes my scalp like that's the tingly tingle. ingredient. And my yeah. coworkers think I'm having <laughs> a stroke or something, and I'm like, dude, my skin is like pins and needles all no, over. Justin's over here, like, I, I can feel colors. <laughs> Dude, there's not enough in the world at this point to get me to that. Like, pretty much everything else keeps me at zero right now. Like, that's pretty much. It's just to keep me from from falling below that. It's it's bad, dude. The amount of caffeine I drink in a day is is absurd. It is very absurd. <laughs> and the C fours, I probably probably shouldn't drink those if I'm not working out. I don't know. I'm fat, man. I need to. I need to start doing that, <laughs> but. I drink those C4s. And I'm like, you know, you're probably supposed to actually be like really working out when you drink these. Otherwise, <laughs> is C4 body- or C4 like a, is C4 like a bang it's supposed to be like a Yeah, C4 is definitely a, a more pre-workout type of um caffeine drink. Yeah, I used to it what, did, really good though. what a change from for me from like 3 years ago, man. Like back then I would start every single day before work. I'd go to the gas station. I'd buy a pack of cigarettes and a monster. And that was, that was my breakfast, you know, and now neither of them I'm changed, man. Go. I see the light. What do you mean? You see the light. I see, I I see myself living past 40. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't know. I tried to cut back and I did pretty good for about a week. (laughs) But then it just, you know, there's those like those stressful days at work. You're like, I got it. I need the extra bump. I I got it. And I like, I will leave and go to the gas station. That's Jake's payment. Now when he has snake ship to work, cause I'm there, I'm like, you can come get them, but you gotta, you gotta bring a monster or something. You gotta have an offering. You gotta stop by the refuel. I even, that ain't a bad deal. I even bring you the big boy when I do it. You know, it's not that, not that little guy. You know, could get you, get you a big one. But then he's like giving me a hard time about drinking caffeine and stuff. I'm like, look, you're either you're either with it or you're not. 
Look, man, I just want you to be around for a long time. And I will, thanks to caffeine. I, I care about you. <laughs> That's it. That's all no, it I do. Uh, this time of year always sucks, man. I just eat like an idiot. Yeah. Like Christmas and stuff, it's rough. Like, try as hard as you want between work and family gatherings and, you know, whatever else. It's just a constant parade of just horrible food yeah. for you. Like, this junk, junk all over the place. It's terrible. <sighs> but my, my eardrums, man. What? Did I say it too loud? I don't know. My, I need to turn these down, but. My controller's all the way over there. I don't know. Joe didn't complain. So probably probably doesn't doesn't matter. This is uh episode two hundred seven of the Urbana Culture Podcast. It's twenty twenty four. If you didn't know. Uh it's first show of the year. We I feel like we didn't even really have like a break break. Maybe we didn't have a break break. did we we only took like one week off, didn't we? I know. I think so. Because la- last week we did like the, the week of Christmas we didn't do anything. Yeah. Wait, because I was out of town. Was, I was gone. Was no, because no, the day after you got back, we did the Man of the Year episode. Yeah, that was last week. Well, yeah. Well, then we're the, back. Then the week before that, we were off. I don't know, man. We're, we're back. back Black Box Cages is back. Whoop, whoop. They have decided to go once more around the sun with us. Uh, each year, usually check in with sponsors and be like, hey, we're still doing our thing. And, you know, if they're like, sure, awesome. You know, if they're like, we're good, and I'm, that's cool, too. Yeah. Um, but Black Box, sticking with us. Uh, you need a rack. You need a cage. You need both. You need a room full of one, a room full of the other. It doesn't matter. They're going to have something that you're going to like and you're going to use. The quality is, in my experience, unmatched uh lead time also unmatched if you're in the general southeast area you know near north georgia you can go pick up your orders from them direct instead of having to worry about freight and shipping um which even if you do their packaging legit i don't know how clint and jen do it because it's it's amazing that they can pack things up so well to where even ups and fedex can't damage it which is impressive that that takes it takes it takes a god it really does it takes the minus touch man that is clint you should see clint whenever he packs up my truck man because he he basically pushes me and justin aside and he's like nah because i'm always like you know let me help let me grab something he's like like, shut up i'm an engineer just follow my lead and i'm like yes sir hold (laughs) the flashlight still damn it (laughs) it's crazy man he saw i think we packed because i got a little tacoma but i've got the Dude. access cab so i've got i've got a six foot bed right me and justin this year we didn't bring a u-haul and we ended up we rolled the dice on that one. yeah we did we did but we succeeded we left there in my truck we had two three by 18 by two or two three by 18 by twos we had a four by two by two 55 rack my 55 rack your xr20 we and I don't know how we did it. Was it. I don't either. Like I said, it's Clint. That's impressive. It's, probably, it sounds like a lot. It was I want to see him play Tetris because I bet you it's it's something to be seen. It was three cages and two big racks. And then didn't you get a toe kick or something too? Yeah, I had a toe yeah. kick and then a bunch it's, of. I think it was supplies. packed out. We packed were. Out. It was. It was. 
the ride back when you have the the truck full like that is always a little stressful because you're oh, like yeah. keep looking out the mirror expecting to see something going going down the road but that's I, and it, even this even attests to black box's quality it rained on the way back i had no cover on anything everything was just strapped down it rained and not a thing was wrong with any of it none of the wiring not, none of the none of that to wipe everything off get the little dirt stains off it from the raindrops and good to go yeah, yeah no their stuff is 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 awesome you know i know we we've been big fans for several years now they've been sponsors for a couple of years now uh when we say these things we mean it you know i don't i i hate to harp so much each episode about how much we love black box but damn it their stuff is good and you need to try it out and when you do you need to go and use the code thn at checkout and save yourself 10 percent off your order I, I literally have a wall and a half of black box. I know. I was talking to Jen and I was like, Jake's got it right. Cause he's got like the backdrop and me. He's like, I've talked about getting like a healer or something in here, but even then with the camera and stuff, I just don't think I could pull it off. It sucks. In Not enough room. Angle. It sucks at this angle. Cause you can't see everything, but like that, everything right there, everything right there now is all black box. Yeah. But it's, it is legitimately good stuff. Lead times, you know, you're going to order something, you're going to get it. Uh, currently, I think it's still around two weeks. That hasn't changed for a handful of months now. They just crank them out. Um, you know, price wise, I've looked myself like shopped and compared to other other companies doing the similar size and, and things like that as far as dimensions of racks and cages. And they're they're very, very close, if not beating most. Um, I know when I... So I bought from them before they sponsored the show and there was only one company cheaper than them, but the quality wasn't there like at all. Like there was no customization. Their quality wasn't there. The different sizes weren't there. You know, none of it was there. And now when I say cheaper, I don't mean, Oh, this was 400 bucks cheaper. I mean, it was 50 bucks. Yeah. Like at that cheaper. point, it's kind of negligible. You yeah, know, when you're talking about dropping a decent chunk of change on that stuff, it's yeah. like 40 or 50 bucks isn't going to make that big of a difference. You know? No, not at all. And it's not going to be a deal breaker for me. It's like, I'll go ahead and pay the extra. You know? Yeah, it's absolutely worth it. These are, I've had racks from a few different places now, and these are by far the best I've ever owned. So, without a doubt. Uh, so, whether you're in the market or not, still just go over to blackboxcages.com, check it out. Uh, shop around, see if there's anything that, that catches your eye. And uh, then hop on over to stevesnakeshowery.com. Get yourself the full lineup of Venom Hot Sauce. Steve also has renewed for 2024. Steve's a good dude. Been around since hey. the beginning. Yeah, he's oh, going on oh. six years with us now. Isn't it? Speaking of, hold on a second. Hold up. He did, a, uh, he did a post. So 2023 year in review. He had 521 snake slash reptile calls, Holy 95 shit. presentations, and over 9,000 lives positively impact in, positively impacted and changed. So the man's busy. Help him out. You get that venom hot sauce, you're helping him direct. Yeah, and it's good. You know, it is you, get, good. You, you get something out of it. You know, it's he's not asking for a donation. He's you're getting hot sauce, man. This is like good stuff. My mic stand is really struggling. I don't like those mic stands, man. I'm not gonna. Lie. You know what? I do. I do. 
I just can't. It looks cool, but I get. I have such a hard time adjusting it. It's so hard. Well, they're kind of meant to like once you have them where you want them to stay that way. So but. yeah, that's why I like this one. It's just, just right. It's right. Hey, neither here nor there. But uh, this week we are joined by Joe DiStefano. That's a very Italian yeah. last name, my De friend. De Stefano, yeah, yeah. You got it close <laughs> enough. Stefano. Very, Ital very Italian. Very Italian. I love it though. Because you're from you're actually from New York, right? I'm from Queens, yes. I grew up in Queens. Beautiful, beautiful. Are you a Giants fan? Honestly, I'm not a football guy. I'm a Yankees fan. Ah. Ba ah. Baseball's my thing. I got you. If anything. I can take that. I can take that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, Joe, Mr. Joe here has had uh, both Justin and I on his <laughs> podcast now. Um, so if you haven't checked it out, you definitely need to check out the Colubrid Corruption podcast. It is live on YouTube every Sunday. And let me tell you, this man goes to some lengths to make sure his podcast airs on Sunday. Whether it's pre-recorded or live, it's normally live, but the man was in New York visiting his girlfriend and all this and he still had a live show on sunday so so i'll explain that one she just started a nursing job so she was literally on her first 12-hour shift uh, so i was home at her house doing absolutely nothing all day <laughs> i went to the gym in the morning and you know i was supposed to have another guest on and then um I was like, why don't I have Justin on? Uh, the other guests didn't work out. I didn't really hear back from them, but neither here nor there. I'm actually having them on this week, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, so I had Justin on, and I was like, let's do it earlier in the day. It's whatever. But I do the Sundays for the algorithm. That's it. I'm like, I might as well keep the same schedule, right? Yeah, man. No, yeah, you're, that's... You're, doing, you're doing a great job at it, man. You, you Thank you. Consistency, Thank man. You. That's, that's, what, what, that's the, a big chunk of of the, you know, the success of, of a podcast yeah. is just keeping at it. It's like the gym, you know, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to have success at the gym. If you're, if you're only going, you know, hardcore for a month and then slacking off for nope. another month. And then, you know, it's just, you got to keep, keep a nice schedule and routine. And then it just gets easier after that. So it's, it's yeah. also big for live episodes. You know, it's one thing if you do a pre-recorded release, it, you can release it whenever you want. But if people, you know, once you get it following, people are expecting a live show. Yep. on this day and all of a sudden you're like hey just kidding we're doing it on tuesday this week and everybody's gonna be yeah. like whoa you know like it's all you know but you're, you're yeah kidding. and even with the uh pre-recorded stuff the way youtube works you can still upload it as like a premiere so that it still premieres live and if people want to watch it at that time still if you know even if they don't get to have the good old chat interaction i'm always in the room so i'll always be there for that kind of banter back and forth if anyone's in the chat but i always think that's cool too um because you know the people that are watching it, it's still their first time watching it and yeah. first time it's being you know shown to the public that was the one thing i was i was a little sad about the lie i, I like lives now just for that chat interaction yeah I was like, Damn, right get to be live that's all right still a lot of fun yeah yeah uh so. are there any updates on your end um not really right now you see i'm in the snake room i'm in a hoodie i'm cooling down the entire room right now um we're down to about 66 in here it's for one it's a pre-cooling force i've actually been meeting to get everything in the garage for actual cooling but i do a pre-cool in the room get everything low 
for about a week or two, then everything goes in the garage, but it's also a kind of a cycling for everything else. The carpets need to get down. I like the rest of the room to get into a routine. So everything's been pretty much cut off the last almost two weeks now. Um, and here in the next couple of days, I need to get everything in the garage for their actual cooling for the rest of January and hopefully February if it stays cold. Fingers I don't crossed. know, man. I was thinking about that the other day. I think this has been like the most consistently cold winter we've had in a minute. I don't. Yeah, like, yeah. It's been cold days have been very. It's been consistently cold, but it hasn't gotten like really cold. You know, like we usually 30 degrees this morning. You're telling me I was in my truck at 615 this morning. It was freezing, but it doesn't. We, we usually get like consistently cold like this weekend. It's supposed to be a back up to like 60 something. You know, that's so. still that's still not. Yeah. 70s and up. Yeah, no, that's true. So I'm hoping the cold kind of lasts through February. That way I can do last year. I ended up pulling everything out a little earlier than I wanted just because come February it got just warm and it was staying mid to high sixties in the garage. And, you know, around those times I like to pull everything out. So when it's cold, cold, I worry about bugs in the garage more than anything. Um, and when it's cold, cold, it's not really an issue, but what once it starts bugs? roaches, this is a, we live in the South. There's roaches. Get some everywhere. Mediterranean geckos like I have. They'll take care of that. Those little Mediterranean geckos are not eating roaches that No, but they're eating their babies. They're <laughs> just stopping them from getting that big. That's true. I need to get a group of them just releasing them in the garage. <laughs> it's so funny. You, If I, I would be over there, like we would be doing a show. And then if you see me just looking up, it's because I'm watching one of the geckos chase a moth around the wall. <laughs> it's funny. Um, Entertaining. But yeah, so I'm waiting to put everything in the garage. Um, and once everything's in the garage, I'll probably start to warm the room back up. Nothing crazy because I need it down for the carpets because I think that's partially why I wasn't successful last year. It's because I didn't cycle her. I didn't cycle the room at all. I just let it stay about 80. I didn't drop it down like carpets usually need at least a little bit of a drop. Um, I think it's the mail, though. The male's a stud, dude. Yeah, but I think it's it's a matter of them getting cold enough for that spermatogenesis. To well, yeah, kick in and they're the fertility of it. It's not necessarily a lack of him not trying. He's just shooting. Yeah. Guns. Oh, I mean, he tried. She slugged out. I mean, I got a clutch. It just wasn't viable. So I'm not. It's it was just this. I think it was the cycle of the room and just not getting everybody where they needed to be. You know. Um. So looking forward to that. Hopefully, more success this year. I'm not. I'm not a for pythons. I'm not a breed back to back years kind of guy. And I'm not, I really don't know how I feel about doing it back to back years. I've talked to a lot of people. Everybody says they're fine to do it two years in a row, you know? So I'm not going to make a habit out of it. But since she slugged out last year, she bounced back really well. I'm really itching to produce carpets again. So I'm going to give her another go. Um, she's been slammed. I fed her really heavy going into this. Um, so hopeful hopefully we'll have some nice high yellow carpets again this year but we shall see nice but uh yeah other than that i mean everything as uh as usual business know. as usual business yeah. as usual nothing crazy <clears throat> what about you anything new uh well i completely forgot 
my own damn company, uh, fullviceapparel.com. Check that out. Use go DHN at checkout. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm forgetting something. I can't figure out what it was. I was too. I was like, I feel like there's something else. Though. Dude, it's been, yeah, I'm struggling. It's that uh, early onset dementia, I think, but, you know, old ass. Um, yeah, nothing new going on here. I'm actually contemplating warming stuff up at the end of the month instead of like Valentine's Day because I'm I'm pretty traditional in the like Thanksgiving weekend they go down they come up Valentine's Day you know I still can't believe you do that why around here man it's just not cold enough we had 80 degree days since Thanksgiving okay I can't do it man it's not like they're staying at 80 yeah I don't know I guess I just I like can't control the, the weather. No, you can't. You, you can control when you put your snakes down. Do you keep them in the, do you put them in the closet or do you put them in the garage? So what I did previously was I'd put them in the garage for like two weeks or not the garage, the closet for like two weeks because it is colder than the rest of the house, but it's not fully cold like the garage is. Um this time around, because we had a warmer, like slightly warmer week in winter, I went ahead and put them in the garage and let them sort of slowly cool down that way. Um, and, and now they're the way to do it. Yeah, now they're just now they're just in here. I don't like to just kind of throw them to the. No, drop. you want you want to do that gradual. That's why I did the room because I was I, I dropped the ball a little bit. I like to put things in the garage while it's still a little warm, but the, the timing this year was so weird with the weather, man. We were so back and forth for a while and I just didn't want to, and I needed to cycle the carpets anyways. So I just, I dropped the whole room. The heat's off in here. It's been getting into the mid to low sixties mm-hmm. every day. So, yeah. You know, um, but other than that, yeah, stuff's just cooling. Um, female green tree is in shed right now. So that seems like it's a sign of things going in the right direction there. Um, no signs of locks from them recently. They, it's again with with green trees. It's it's pretty obvious when things are like on and when things are off, and they've been off for a, like a while now. Just in terms of like activity between the two, you know, normally I'd see the male at least attempting to lock up with her on a regular basis. Haven't seen that lately. He's pretty much been doing his own thing. So I'm, I'm thinking he he made it happen. Um, I haven't seen an ovulation, but she may have that may have happened while we were in Tennessee. But I don't I don't think it did because the timeline isn't isn't adding up for that. But I guess it's it would be a little different with green trees because they're out so much. But I've personally never seen when I've bred carpets. I've never seen a lock and I never saw an ovulation and I got eggs, you know, but granted they hide a lot more when they're ovulating mm-hmm. at green trees and only out and about. Yeah. You uh, see a green, green tree them. ovulation and you think that it, it's about to explode. Like they get so yeah. freaking huge. It's insane. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll see about that. And I think that's pretty much it. Nothing else going on. Um, still contemplating the morph market account thing and setting one up and getting some stuff posted. Cause I'm going to start shipping windows about to open back up again now that we're out of the holidays and stuff. So we'll see, but yeah, not in a major hurry to do that. Honestly. Yeah. I'm kind of, kind of in the same boat, you know, I kind of, I would like a few more babies gone before 
this coming season. Um, but I don't know, man. Is there so I don't really I haven't looked in the morph morph market a lot, Joe. You might be able to add in because yeah. you is it solely a monthly payment or can you do one payment up front and be done for the year? Yeah, I paid annually for mine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, I thought I thought about that too, but I just like I don't have a ton of stuff to part with. So it's like I don't want to pay for a year and then not end up using it for six months of that, you know, and just right. What yeah. I can tell you, the it's not like I, I forget which one I'm on. If it's like it's not the free one, obviously, or if it's like the basic then standard. I'm on like a pretty decent one where I think it was about $130 for the year, um, which isn't bad. And I have a pretty big range of monetary value and ads to have posted at the same time because that's how it's kind of uh categorized they're like you get a certain amount of ads that are such and such monetary value uh, okay yeah I see. yeah okay yeah i've been meaning to look into it but i just, i don't know man i don't <laughs> it's sad man because like part of me like i just i don't want to sell any of them man i just want to i want to keep them all but i know i can't so I've got a few that are still going out and I got to really sift through everything and see what needs to go. Cause I mean, as far as babies are concerned, I've got a few that are going out once it warms up a little bit, but I don't know. I gotta, I gotta make some decisions. It's not fun. Mm -hmm. So it's the worst part about breeding snakes is letting, letting your little babies go. Yeah. It's your blood, sweat and tears, man. Yeah. But mm -hmm. Well, Joe, why don't uh, why don't you give us kind of your your uh, background and uh, give us the intro, you know, long or short, sure. how, you got, how you got into this and, uh, you know, where you are now? Yeah, I'd say it's kind of long leading up to where we are now. So um, for those of you who don't know, I'm definitely on the I'd say probably on the younger side of the hobby. Uh, I'm 23. And so I started when I was 10 years old. So. Um, I loved animals since I was a little kid. I wanted to grow up and be a vet and I'm not in veterinary school. So that shows you where that went. Uh, plans changed in college, but so I grew up loving animals. I had a fish tank for a while when I was younger. Um, there was one day where I was with my dad. We walked into our local mom and pop pet store where I later worked. Uh, but, and we saw a Texas rat labeled for $36. And I was like, dad, let's get that one. It look how, look how cheap it is. Look how cheap it is. And, you know, safe to say, I still have her today, which is awesome. Um, you know, so she's a, she was a 2010 hatchling. So she's a 13 year old animal, which is really cool that That's I it. still have her. Um, so yeah, I kind of just started there. Um, really you know, basic stuff. We didn't know a whole lot and care when she was growing up probably wasn't the best. And to be completely honest, her growth is a little stunted because I think we just, we weren't feeding her as readily as we probably should have been. I think we're going a little light. So she's a little bit on the smaller side, which is okay, but she's still healthy and whatever. But anyway, yeah, moving along, I got really into it. Then I started working at that pet store. And at that pet store, it was like basically all exotic animals. So fish, reptiles, uh, birds, small mammals, and 
all that stuff. So that's where I really got a lot of my hands on with a bunch of different reptile species. Uh, with that also said that, you know, as we said before, I'm from New York City, so we can't have any pythons, boas, any large constrictors there, no big lizards there as well. So my breadth of knowledge was really limited to colubrids, bearded dragons, and some gecko species. And yeah, that, that was kind of it. But I learned a lot there. That's kind of where my my base of knowledge came from. Um, just learning about all these different species, uh, genetics, morphs, and all that. Um, and then I was really like, well, I want to get into this myself because we used to breed snakes there. Um, and, you know, I got to breed the store snakes, but like I really wanted some of my own. Mm -hmm. So I got to pair. There was one point where they had a scaleless male Texas rat snake. I brought my female there to get bread. And I took her back home. I got eggs. And sure enough, I popped out. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just popped out a few uh, Texas rats, which was awesome. My first time breeding. This was 2017 or yeah. 2017 so i was seven or 16 17 years old really cool experience at the time i picked up another texas rat that year um scaleless boy uh 2018 i picked up my scaleless leucistic female who's the mom of my clutch this year we'll get there and let's see uh there was also a cow king in the mix but eventually i um traded her out to make room for another texas rat but yeah, I kind of kept going. Then in 2019, paired my Texas rat girl, the original one, to a scaleless boy. This time we hatched out scaleless. So we found out that my 2010 hatchling proved out to be het scaleless. And I was mm -hmm. over the moon. I was, I was like, whoa, holy shit. And all this. Um, yeah, that's where it really came from. I acquired another rat snake in the midst of there. And then I really started seeing a lot of uh, the Asian species on Facebook. So in 2021, that's where I picked up my first bamboo rat snake uh, from um, the you guys had her on corn stars from uh, Carol Huddleston. Oh, yeah. Uh, low belly. Yeah. yeah. So that's where that first uh, bamboo rat came from. And then 2021 is also when I moved to Florida and that changed the game for the snake. So I only had five snakes at the time when we moved. Um, we got a rack system because there weren't enough rooms for tanks. And then there was a local pet shop. My brother and I walk in there and we see this purple, purple looking ball python hatchling. And then that's where that craze started. Um, but so the collection was always, and I always like swore off ball pythons when I was a teenager, I was like, ah, oh, they're pet rocks, this and that. But I also wasn't seeing the right stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then I started, you know, seeing more of the YouTube, the social media stuff, you know, being tuned into Justin Kabelka. I mean, he's, he's the goat in ball pythons. I mean, seeing the stuff he popped out, I was like, well, we got to get into this. So. That's where that rabbit hole went, added some more Texas rats, added some more, uh, a couple more porfs to the collection. And we are where we are now, had some more breeding this year, bred Texas rats and ball pythons. And 
that's kind of the gist of it. Sorry if that was a little long, but wanted to give the whole story. No, you're good. Cur- currently, do you do you sit at more ball pythons or more colubrids? I have a hard time figuring that out all the time. I think I think it's close to even, to be completely honest. I think it's nearing even, maybe slightly more ball pythons, and that's because I had a clutch of six, which are all still sitting here. And if I kept all nine of the Texas rats I got, nine or ten of the Texas rats I got this year, um, it would probably be more rat snakes. But half of those went to Kevin Sheehan because we split that clutch. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Do you work with any other pythons or is it just the just the balls? It's just the balls right now. Right now. Yeah. For I now. Heard that. I I gotta say the chondros are really, really intriguing. And even if I don't even go towards breeding those, I think I'd keep some nice locality, maybe even the designer stuff, though I know they're quite expensive, but like they're just beautiful, man. I mean stuff's yeah. amazing. I mean, it, it depends sort of if you're talking like, because I guess technically anything that isn't pure locality could be considered designer. Um, yes, yes. But if you're talking like... There's different levels. Lineated <laughs> designer stuff. That's... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I, I just, I do think it's funny that when referring to Condros, it's like, oh, anything that isn't pure locality can be considered designer. That's a nice word. I'm not knocking Condros at all. But with carpets, if it's Mutt. not if it's not pure locality, it's a mutt, you know. Like, and that's just like it's so funny Look, to me how that that's, that's a thing, man. No, it's not bashing conjurers at all. The if, sooner if, you realize that conjure keepers are a higher class of people, the better. It's just if <laughs> anything, you know, I no, I respect it. We're and, the globo gym of python breeders. I'm not saying that if anything, it's more of a bash on carpet people. Like I'm not saying. No, I agree. We I should agree. call them designers. I, I have. I definitely the same thing where it's like <laughs> it's completely fine if you're. Yeah. Crossing it, all these chondros. Maybe I think it's because when you cross chondros, you get something pretty. If you, you cross carpets, yeah. if you get car, if you cross carpets, you're just you're not, you're, you know, unless it, unless it's you know jungle jet ja- or not jungle jet, uh, like the gamma stuff, yeah. diamond jungles, you know, all that. If it's a diamond jungle, it's not a mutt. It's a diamond jungle. Okay, get your facts right. <laughs> so forgive my ignorance. I only learned recently that with the chondros, there's actually taxonomically speaking there's three different species now with the carpets because that's something i'm not aware of how are they separated are they separated in like subspecies or is it full subspecies subspecies okay. yeah okay. they're all, all morelia spilota but then you have variegata which is you know right now they're they're currently saying darwin's and ij's are the same thing which i don't disagree with at all so those are okay. variegata and you have coastals, which are McDowelly. Um, Brettles aren't technically carpets, but they get lumped into there. You know, where are they? Okay. Um, and then you've got inlands. And I feel like I'm forgetting something else. Imbricata. Yeah, Imbricata, jungles. Um, so there's there's several, but yeah, they're gotcha. all subspecies. Minus Brettles. Brettles are their own full species right yeah, full species they are morelia bread lie minus the no, no spilota 
But yeah, carpets. I mean, superior Moralia, but you know, whatever. It's kind of that. That that's. It's funny. We went from we went from carpets versus conjurers as being the debate. Now it's the horn snake debate. You know, now that we're all <laughs> liberated assholes, we've just yeah, we've, <laughs> we've fucking sold out, buddy. Yeah, we were fully sold. I still have several carpets, not a lot, but I've got. I still have eight carpets in a room full of almost a hundred snakes, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't, it, it is. It's funny though because Condros, it's designer. Yeah, that that's just. But I think, like I said, it's because like when you cross carpets. They're usually pretty mute unless it's something with jungle and diamond, you know, jungle and diamond always bring out stuff, you know, whatever. But, you know, people cross coastals and IJs and whatever, you know, that it's just their butts. It's like garbage butts. So they're all dinkers. <sighs> Is that still a ball python term, dinker? Yes. <laughs> The only normal in the clutch is a dinker. Well, I, yeah, I mean, let's kind of, I want to get into that a little bit because yeah. as we were saying right. before we started, I was telling Joe, I was like, you're the, you're, you're the, the kind of person in the hobby that it just fascinates me because you've, you've, you've seen both sides of that, yep. that fence. And it's like, I gotta, I gotta have someone tell me what it was like over there because I mean, I don't yeah. plan on never going over there. You know, that's, I've, We've we've talked about it plenty of times before. Like we don't have any issues with ball pythons. They're an easy target, so obviously we like to give them a hard time, but they are still snakes. There are still plenty of morphs that I think are really cool looking. Couldn't tell you what the hell they are, but I appreciate right. what they are. Um, yeah. but sort of starting in colubrids and then getting into balls and then sort of dipping a toe outside back. Like what's that? Yeah. So, I mean, how what's the navigation like on that as far as like two different worlds in a sense? Because we, yep. you know, Casey Cannon says it best. He's like, ball pythons at this point are kind of like their own hobby entirely. Um, you know, it's kind of its own industry entirely. It's its own thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Sort of so, here's what I can say from my perspective going into it. Um, I've always been enamored with the genetic mutation stuff. And uh, we talked about him a little bit before we saw, uh, before we started the show. I mean, Brian Barczyk, um, no, with what's going on right now, I feel so horrible about it. Um, you know, I was watching snake bites back when I was way younger in my early teens, when I started that pet store job. And that's actually where I started learning about ball python mutations. But where the game has elevated to where it is now, it was nowhere near that 10 years ago. Like, you don't see, like, there wasn't stuff close to what you see now mm -hmm. um, back then. When I started getting into the ball pythons, I saw all these bright, beautiful, colored, colorful snakes. And I was just, I was overwhelmed. I, I deep dove. And there was also this aspect of, um, you know, kind of starting your own business with it. And, and I know money and making money from these reptiles can be a touchy subject with some people, but 
it, it's a it's a fact of the industry is there there are people who do this for a living there are people who make money and and big respect to uh i'll, I'll say clint uh bartley you know he he's talked about it openly on colubrid and colubroid and i give him props because i feel like it some of the people in the colubrid community who are like ah it's not about the money it's about loving these things but like clint has made a successful mm -hmm. business and living out of this um so there was that aspect too and i've always been business minded i, I went to school for business um and you know and like i said as i was growing up and working that job i was always like i always had this dream i was like oh i want to breed these reptiles like that would be amazing to do for a living right like i've been wanting to work with animals forever i wanted to be the vet that didn't work out i was like maybe there's something like i could work towards eventually like on a very slow pace but right. maybe eventually so I joined in the ball python craze. Uh, I joined in when the ball pythons were going crazy. Uh, I joined in on the high. I spent a lot of money on, um, you know, relatively cool animals. I have some cool genetics working in my collection right now. And um, I can safely say I'm still excited about the projects I'm in. The market right now doesn't excite me, though I know it's going throughout the entire reptile industry mm -hmm. and then more so besides the market the actual people in the hot in ball pythons are starting to disinterest me and push me away more and more between the filtered pictures like dude we could i me and some of my buddies can see it from a mile away but yeah. what i do have to also say is ball pythons kind of gave me everything that i have right now my social media presence um even some of the like youtube presence i have because I, I was a part of a, a panel podcast i've been on some other things and so i have to owe it to ball pythons to being where i am currently and it's still going to be in my future but you know i've even had the thoughts of like hey maybe should i reduce some of these projects and really only work what i'm these projects i'm super passionate about and some of these like more higher end projects that like i'm like really jacked for and maybe focus a little bit more on the colubrid since i'm really so crazed about these guys so it's been an internal struggle and uh, honestly the last few days is when this has really come out more and more and ju just seeing what i'm seeing from my side but again i could also say the ball pythons have given me very good friends in the mm -hmm. reptile hobby. I moved to Florida at a bad age. My my best friends right now down here are my are my ball python friends, are my my snake friends. And even you guys being able to talk to you guys all the time, like it's awesome. So uh, I owe a lot to the reptile hobby as a whole. Yeah, it's kind of the, yeah. the paradox of, of balls, you know, it's like as much as, as everyone kind of wants to, to dunk on them and stuff, it's like they're also responsible for a hell of a lot of people getting into it in the first place and then seeing other stuff and expanding from that. And, you know, again, you know, with Brian and everything that's going on with that, uh, you know, I've, I've been pretty open at the fact that I've, you know, I've never I haven't been a, a big fan of his. You know, I watched his stuff early on as well and enjoyed it. And then over time, it just, it, it slowly just, I was into it less and less. Um, yeah. And I, I could say that too. I, I lost touch with it over the last few years. I definitely 
have not watched mm-hmm. nearly as much as I, I used to watch the backlogs. I would just click through every video on the channel when it was snake bites. And then as it evolved a little less and less. Yeah. 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 And it, 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 um, you know, objectively, regardless of, of where I sit, you know, as far as his videos and sort of the things that have, that have occurred over the years, uh, there's no denying that the guy had a single-handedly made huge impacts as far as getting people, like introducing people to to the hobby and, and getting stuck into them. So, I mean, I, I have to give credit there. And, and I mean, dude, it's uh, you know, I think Chris said it best on your podcast, Joe. You know, we we have a lot to credit ball pythons and that community you know i am one of those people that my my first my first snake that survived longer than two months spurge what not spurge was a ball python you know um and i love that snake ball pythons are what they're the species that i found out that you you could breed snakes, you know, like they were yep. the species I was initially focused on. Granted, I never moved past having one at a time. I almost did at one point, you know, I was supposed to get another one when I was much younger, but um, didn't work out. But they are the reason that I found out about breeding snakes and that being a thing. And along those lines, Brian Barcheck is also the reason I found out breeding snakes was even a thing, you know, back when I was younger. I thought, you know, I, I saw snakes as just being like, oh, some people keep snakes and you just have them. You know, it never occurred to me that people reproduce these things. And when I found out about that being a thing, you know, it was just mind blowing and it was all I ever wanted to do. It took a very long time for me to do it because living at my parents' house, being in college, yada 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 never actually did it until what 2019 was the first time i bred snakes um so it's that we have so much to credit to ball pythons yes we as colubrid people we rag on ball python keepers just because it's fun but guess what ball python keepers rag on our cheap ass low-hanging fruit (laughs) yeah and if i may i and Justin, I know you were saying kind of like, you know, ball pythons have become their own thing, like in the market, but when ball pythons are undeniably the most popular pet snake in the world and the most readily bred, um, there it's like a gateway drug into the reptile hobby for so many people. So that that's the other thing about ball pythons that people can't forget is that that's what it's done for all of us. You know, I, I bet there's a ton of people who got a ball Python as their first pet and then they got a corn snake and they got something else and it kept going like that. So. And that's, yeah, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. That was the thing. Like I would bet 90, if not 98% of the entire reptile hobby either started with a ball Python or a corn snake. Now it's all about which route did you go after that? Which one of those (laughs) intrigued you more and made you look more into it, you know? And now I would go, it goes far as say over 90% of reptile keepers started with one of those. And 
blossomed from there, you know, kind of chose what path they would go down as a keeper, you know, and I would say the majority were probably ball pythons. I was in that same boat. The first snake I ever kept as a pet was a corn snake, um, at least semi long term that did not last long. And then it was a ball python. So I was on both sides of that fence, you know, and um, first snakes I ever interacted with were corn snakes, you know, Um, and, you know, ball pythons just have had such a big, you know, were such a big factor in so many people's lives, you know, as far as getting into this, you know, and I think Brian Barczyk is one of the big reasons for that you know that's what he was known for especially back in the day you know i remember watching him when i was a teenager not even having you know a very young teenager not even having snakes yet you know watching him and it was very very ball python oriented yep and you know we have you know thoughts and thoughts and prayers to him and his family man i mean this is it's it's heartbreaking what's going on with him right now and uh you know he's all in our thoughts and regardless of what you think about him because you know i agree it got the videos got sensationalized and but let's face it they were back then too we were just younger and didn't care so and that's how everybody but that's how everybody sees it now you know just because it's different than what it was back then it's still the same for that 12 13 year old kid that just found him for the first time you know it's it's the same thing and we have him to credit for 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 so much I, I would go to say thousands of people you know he's the sole reason they oh, found, yeah. found reptiles in the first place and you know that there's a lot to say to that and, you know my, my heart goes out to him and his family man it's it's terrible but mm-hmm. and when i say like ball pythons being their own thing i mean in the sense of of breeding like breeders and that the, like the whole economics of it um yeah no 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 i i yeah you know obviously there's a lot of people that that yes got got their first snake it was a ball python or they got a couple snakes and it was ball pythons and then they eventually sort of branched out from there but it's uh it's wild it's been crazy just to see the the evolution of the whole thing you know even from the the beginning you know with those original albinos and, and things like that it's it's unbelievable that you can get from from point a to point b <laughs> with with realistically only a handful of animals you know yes it's when, it's just it's wild it's crazy when i when i first discovered <laughs> ball pythons pie balls were still three to five thousand dollars you know a piece and where that has come between then and now and and what is actually not that long of a time, you know, I'm not that old, but I, it, as a young teenager, you know, 15 years ago, seeing seeing as 15 years ago, a pie ball dropped from 5,000 plus to maybe 150, 200. Really? I see. I thought it was still thought it was more than that. You know, that's, normal pies will go for 150 all day. That's insane. You know, and like a, and just an albino back then was three four five hundred bucks you can probably pick those up for less than a hundred dollars now you know right. yeah one one to 150 <laughs> that's crazy man you know um but i mean that the, the evolution behind behind balls is kind of insane you know what has happened yep. between in the last 15 years with them 
you know, but hell, even the last five to 10 years. What's even, yeah. What's even crazier is that a lot of the genes that are around now and are becoming more prevalent have been around for a very long time. They just took very, very long to gain the traction and they weren't put into the right combos. And then it's like a joke nowadays that every time, uh, Kabelka puts out a video it, it's like that gene explodes whatever whatever it is and something that's uh funnily getting hated on if there's any ball python people is is pastel because it does ruin some combos arguably um you know if justin made a video about pastel everyone would be buying pastel tomorrow it like doesn't matter mm-hmm. but people are still buying it anyway yeah it i remember be- <laughs> pastels were huge when i was first getting yeah. into it yeah, they were, the, they were the next morph to get, you know, after you had your normal, you'd get a pastel, baby. Come on, come on now. I have noticed over the last, you know, three to five years or so that that people overall, it's, it seems like there's a, a general sort of exodus from from the focus on ball pythons and people are starting to look at other stuff outside of, of that sphere and and really start to explore other species and and things like that um besides that there's also the covid breeder recession exodus yeah i mean what have you seen like would you agree with that having being seeing that circle you know with balls and things like that you you see a lot of people sort of moving on to other stuff or just getting out definitely see people posting a new species here and there it's not as prevalent as you'd think, like some people will pick them up just for pets or whatever here and there, but it's still like, like balls to the wall, no pun intended on ball pythons. Um, and then, yeah, the, you know, you go on Facebook and some of these ball python groups, there's a new collection being posted by the day for sale. No joke. Like, I, I like mean, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. You uh you go on on Craigslist here, dude, because I check especially it. here in Florida, dude. There's so many ball pythons on Craigslist; it's insane. Like it's it's wild. And um, there was even you know locally, there's there's been some people that have gotten out of balls entirely. Like that was like their whole thing was ball pythons, and they've you know gotten out of those because of just selling and and the market and being able to to move things was just getting so difficult. They decided to switch gears entirely. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, like COVID that's been a question I've, I've asked myself and is like, is the market really the market quote unquote, it's a term I, I semi hate, uh, you know, is it really down or are we just so used to COVID where people were buying like crazy? Cause they had, it's a correction income. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is it down or is it back to normal? Or is it how it was before? Right. Right. You know, like let's face it, like certain, certain things, certain things tanked, like actually tanked and certain things are getting corrected in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. You know, let's like, like what, um, again, I, I keep talking from the ball Python side and we don't have to talk about this all night. I promise. Um, but certain, certain genes, uh, certain combos like DG clown, desert ghost clown yeah. has been one of the biggest things. Like it, it was 10 grand two years ago. Um, once I've sold for 2,500 this year. 
Hmm. Like wow. that, which is it, they are a beautiful, amazing animal, but everyone bought into DG clown. And I actually, I don't even want to say like, it's wrong because so many are being made. So many people are working that project. What people aren't doing is putting other incomplete dominant genes in there. Mm-hmm. And they're just making straight DG clowns and just flooding that market or just putting pastel in it, which yeah. again, sorry to rag on it, but it, yeah, <laughs> pastel and super pastel DG yeah. clowns, you know, you see it all over the place. It's like, you know, there's not much room f- uh, for growth there. Mm-hmm. No, and that and that's the thing about like the next cool thing, you know. It's like doesn't matter how high you price it, somebody's gonna buy it, you know, and other people are gonna buy it. And next thing you know, there's gonna be a lot more people with that gene, and then those people aren't as are, aren't as well known, so they price them lower than the next yep. guy just to get a little attention, little legroom. And then everybody's like, oh, this guy priced it at this. Let me drop mine down to that. And then it's it's a domino effect, you know. And, and but that's not just that's not just a ball python thing. You know, that's that's with everything, you know. Yeah. Any, anything that's starts really high evidently comes. Well, down. it's a supply and demand, obviously. Exactly. It's, it's the, that too. the basic the basic laws of that. Um, and now there's huge supply for some of the stuff that there wasn't mm-hmm. two years ago. Right. Yeah. It, it turns into, it doesn't turn into finding one. It turns into who am I going to buy one from, mm-hmm. you know? And when it comes to that, unless you look in depth into breeders, it's going to come down to price. And yeah. that's how people get the sales. It's I will down. say that is certain that people, is... certain, certain people are motivated by price only. And those are the, in my opinion, like the people who are just in there for the money. And then there are some some people who will go for the breeder or go for the highest quality animal and then maybe try to work that price down based on what else is going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, And and I can say sometimes it's hard to come across. I don't want to say to like you guys, but like talking to non-ball python people, I've been living in this mindset for the last couple of years and the way I see and think about things. Like I, I look at things from, you know, and I know you said you hate the word. I look at things from that market perspective. And like when you're talking ball Python projects, like you have to think like three years ahead, you have Mm -hmm. to think five years ahead. If you want to stay ahead or stay even semi, even with the curve, because if if you think about right now, you're gone, you lost. And that's how, that's how these people are. That's why these people are failing right now. And it's really unfortunate because, and I've said it on my show a lot of times, so many people in the last couple of years that got in it for the absolute wrong reasons. And it was for that quick money grab. Now I could say I let, I lean both ways because I actually do enjoy the ball pythons and I have projects I am very excited about. I like the genetics I'm working with. Uh, Was there that money aspect in there that I thought about as well? Yes. Um, did I spend a lot of money? Yes. Um, and you'd probably cringe at some of the the amounts I've I've spent over the last couple of years. But you know, it is what it is. I've done what I've done. But uh, you know, like I said earlier, there may I may you know reconsider the structuring of my collection and see what can go, what I really want to keep. And, you know, I'm, it, it's also breeding season now, too. So got to see, you know, what comes out this year. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's it's the <clears throat> you know the whole term the the market and stuff. It's one of those things where it's I'm I'm split on that as well. Where it's like, is there really a market? And it's sort of at its at its in in reality, yes, there like a market exists. If we're we're selling things, be it alive or not, there's a market for it. And just like anything else, economically, there's going to be times where things are great. There's going to be times where things are bad. Uh, you know, the money aspect to it, I, I've I've said for a long time now. It's like if you're if you're doing this as a business, even if it's as a side hustle, you know, it's not your main source of income. It's just paying for itself. Whatever, you know. Yeah, it's not about the money, but if you're if you're doing it in that regard, like it has to be a little bit about about the money. That that's yeah. the thing I almost hate. You know, granted, yes, we get we can probably all sit here and say it's not about the money. That's we don't do this because. And when I when I think when most people say that, they say it in the fact of, oh, I don't want to get rich. Like this isn't some yeah. fucking pyramid scheme that we're all trying to make a ton of money on. Yeah, but you're lying to yourself if you don't say it's kind of about money when it comes to sales you know because like you want to sell babies and yes you want this to pay for your for itself if you tell me you want this to pay for itself it's kind of about the money you know it's not no it's doesn't have to be the sole reason but it does play a factor like that's what i mean it has a hand in it yes and i'll be honest i had a conversation with billy today like i was kind of running this all by him I, i was telling him i was like and, you know, he kind of like chilled me out about it. He was like, dude, if if you keep the species you like, you can make it pay for itself. I was like, do I have to make all the money in the world? No. Would it be nice to make a little bit? Yeah, sure. But what is it probably going to do? Good and go reinvest in something else in the hobby. <laughs> exactly. If I I've been doing this, you know, a long time now and I'm nowhere close to this crap paying for itself. That's why I work a second job. I work a second job to fund this. And that's fine for now. You know, in a few years when a lot more things are popping and going, yeah, I kind of expect this to hopefully pay for itself. And in that aspect, yes, it kind of is about money. Do I do this for a living and want to make a bunch of money doing it? No, I don't expect any overhead. If there is overhead, it's going to go back into upgrading stuff. You know, I don't want to pocket money from this until I retire from my day job and I don't want to work a real job, you know, like that's just, you know, and that's just how it is. You know, it's not about the money in the fact of I don't want to make a living, but it is in the fact that you want it to pay for itself. And that's fair. You're not a bad person for feeling that way. Hell, you're not a bad person if you want to make this a full time job. But you know, there there's lines, you know, you yeah. know, once you're, once your care drops because you're trying to make a dollar, that's when yeah. it's not okay anymore. And you need to find a different, different outlet, you know, but. And it is tough. I, mean, I the closest thing I can relate to as far as the, the ball Python stuff is corns. You know, I've got a, a lot of babies still from this year that, yeah. Um, you know, I've talked to some wholesalers and I've tried to just offload lighten the load a little bit and and just cut back on some mouths to feed and it's been tough like and it's uh you know again is it is it that things really are down or is it because we're just post-covid 
extra money kind of thing. So and that's yeah. that, that's the other. The corns aren't that far off from balls in that aspect of there's a lot. There's a lot of corns out there. It's a lot of people breeding corns, and you can even say the market's the market, quote unquote, is saturated, you know, and it, it can be a little harder at times to sell a large amount. And you know, that's well, it's just... interesting too because you see such conflicting results for people. So, like Eric Westmoreland, who does this full time, yeah. You know, you ask him, it's like, how was your year? And he'll be like, it was fine. Like, I sold plenty of stuff. Like, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't bad. People were buying. You talk to someone like myself or Chris, you know, and they'll be like, it's been really tough. And granted, I can't really complain about it too much. I haven't put that much effort into trying to get stuff sold. And that that was going to be my rebuttal to that. It's all about effort that you put into it. If you're like, ah, I kind of just want to give all these to friends, then you know you're not going to make nearly as many sales as the guy that's posting his shit every day. You know, like it's just interesting that you can have people can have such such different experiences in the same time, and even the same show. Like you talk to guys at Daytona, some of them were like, "This was really really rough. This year sucked. Didn't sell much of anything." And then you talk to another guy who was two rows over, and he's like, "Dude, I almost sold out of everything. Like, it was great." And it's just to me that's the economics of of herpeticulture and species and morphs and things like that. Just has always fascinated me, and I, I, it's just it's really interesting to watch and then to see something like that too where it's like you can have two tables and breeders selling both selling corn snakes and one did great one did not great you know and it's it's just it's wild to me just the whole how the whole thing works the whole the whole machine yeah that's how it is you know we 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 relate to this because we're into reptiles but that's how it is with anything you know, there's some T-shirt companies that sell more T-shirts than others, you know, and why is that? Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's, you know, it's, like it's it's with anything. It's just life, <clears throat> unfortunately. You know, if everybody could do it, everybody would be doing it. But it's just, yeah, yeah there's there's highs and lows. And at the end of the day, you just you got to love this peaks and valleys. Yes. And you got to You got to love this. You know, that's why we always say it's not it's not about the money because goddamn, you got to love this with everything you got because it'll take a lot out you, of you. You know what else I find really fascinating is you can have stuff like, well, I guess it's it's not really odd necessarily, but like cresteds, corns, balls. All that stuff, the the supply and demand effect is definitely more drastic over a span of time. But then you look at things that have have a hurdle. So like chondros, rhino rats, um, stuff that isn't necessarily hard to keep, but there's a hurdle. And that hurdle is babies getting them established. You know, so I, I wonder a lot of the time, too, it's like if rhinos, rhino babies were easier to get going, like how different would that that landscape be in terms of like availability and people breeding them and stuff? Um, same with with green trees. It's like I think there's those species are always going to be in demand to a degree. 
maybe a higher degree than some of those other species, but I think it's, it's because of that. It's that hurdle. There's that one thing about that species that, that holds people back from really breeding them on any sort of large scale. Um, and if you look at, you, you see that in pretty much anything like that, I think like rough scales are a good example. Same thing. You know, it's like, there's not a ton of them and it's like, babies are tricky. Uh, you know, take your pick. It's just the stuff that's like either hard, harder to breed or requires more attention and more intricacy or the stuff that's harder to get established. Like those are always the stuff that like, there's people always looking to buy. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm confident that if I produce conjures again, I'm not going to have a hard time no. having people like finding buyers. Like people will, there's always going to be people wanting to buy captive break conjures. And I think more than anything, it's a <laughs> supply and demand thing. You know, whether it's people can't breed chondros, whether people can't get them established as babies, whatever. It all comes down to supply and demand. And yeah, but but there's, there's just all, that thing that stops it from yeah. really the, the, the doors being blown off of them. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's also like, you know, it's easier for guys that are focused on stuff like that. I think it's easier for them to have a quote unquote good year because they probably don't produce as many animals. And when they sell one, the yield is much, much higher than your corn snake. You know, how many corn snakes you got to sell to make 10,000 bucks? A lot of corns. How many conjures you got to sell to make 10,000 bucks? Four max, sometimes one. You know, so it's it's all it's all in perspective and what you enjoy keeping. And again, it, a lot of it comes down to supply and demand. The guy that has chondros when nobody else does is going to have a great year, you know, and the guy that produced the same corns that Eric Westmoreland did may not, you know, so it's all in perspective. And yeah. Mm hmm. At the end of the day, you just got you really got to keep what you love, and that's that. That right there is exactly why you know you're gonna get yeah. burnt out if you're just chasing. If you're chasing a dollar, you're, you're you're gonna get burnt out with this. You're not gonna enjoy it. So, you have I've heard you mention a few times, like you have a, a partner in the meteoric. Uh not necessarily. It's it's my brother. It's my little brother. Okay. Uh, the other person's name, Nick on my Instagram page, on the back of my business card. It's my little brother. Um, especially when we got into the ball pythons, like we said, we were doing this together at that point, we were kind of splitting, uh, snakes like evenly, uh, mm -hmm. monetarily. Um, it's come to the point where I, I really do everything. <laughs> You've I mean, and, it, and, and that's fine. I, I do everything. I, I pay for everything at this point. Um, he's there. He helps me out with certain things. He's my, he's my FedEx guy in the mornings to go pick up that new snake at FedEx. He'll, uh, you know, I've sent a couple t-shirts out. He'll drop stuff off, you know, when I'm working. So, and I work from home nowadays a lot. So either way, I can't like leave my computer for that long, mm -hmm. but either way, just those little things. Um, yeah. So it helps when I was at school. So when we moved down to Florida, I had a year of school left and we didn't have nearly the amount of animals we had now, but he took care of them that, that whole year. Um, and it was really the rat snakes and a few 
ball pythons at that time, but, you know, even still. So got to give him credit where credit's due. He helps me out in certain ways and helped kickstart what this has become. So, mm -hmm. yeah. dude, I tell you, there it's there's something to be said just for an extra set of hands for that. Yeah. Little nitpicks. Oh, dude. You know, going to FedEx, you know, changing a couple water dishes like, hey, come in the room with me for 10 minutes and we bust out double the animals. You know, That's when we when we spend a day doing full tub cleans on a bunch of things, having two people. Yeah, dude unreal we did it we finally did it once and i have never cleaned that many tubs that fast i was just like this is amazing we got to do this every time it probably the stars don't align all the time because we both were like he he's a server so like he works all the time at like you know weird times and and other stuff so yeah but yeah no man there's definitely something to be said for that you know um yeah, the partnership thing always just seems, I don't know, it, it's one of those things where it, it can either grow, go really well or it can go horribly wrong. It's just, I think the biggest thing with it is having the ground rules laid out. The expectations set out. Yes. Yeah. Percentages of, you know, as far as income are concerned, you know, keeping track of what's what. That way nobody gets butthurt about nothing. Yeah, That's like that time Jake made me get Amazon Trebos. That that's 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 where we're going. That's where we're going. You want to do that? You want to yes. do that? Yes. We went halfsies on those. You kept them and you killed all of them. And what what did I, I get? What did I get? Kill nothing. Them. No, you did. You did. They passed away every, under my purview. Every single one of them. Okay. At that time, I was it wasn't my fault. And I'm not saying it was. I'm not blaming you. You're kind of making it. No, you, can, you have a tone. No. That, you that you brought anyways. you brought it up. You brought it up. Don't. Okay. Don't go there. We don't talk about the Amazons, Justin. <laughs> we that was our I think that was our one joint project, wasn't it? That was the one time we went in on something together, and it just went absolutely horrible. Yeah, but that's okay. You know, right. I'd do it again. I wouldn't. Oh. <laughs> you, can have them. you you want Amazons again, buddy? That's all you, my guy. I I have the itch, but I'm 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 just gonna suffer and not scratch it yet. It's probably for the time, time has to be right. Because yeah. Randy keeps posting some of these damn Amazons he's got, and Jeremy Turgeon keeps posting some of these Amazons. <laughs> dude, that you clutch Jeremy making this so difficult. <laughs> dude, that clutch Jeremy had. Oh my god. Like, you want to talk about some Amazons, boy? That just seems like a species like I just want to breed them once. Just to to see it all. You know? It's like I don't want to go crazy. It'd just be cool to like, I'm gonna put a pair together. I want to see babies come out alive and not have eggs. Like, you know, it's just different from, from the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, well, speaking, speaking of that, Joe, back to you. Um, Justin and I go yeah, on. Quit, quit hijacking the conversation. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I did that for sure. Um, so talking about species, you know, obviously let's let's change gears from this silly yeah. talk, don't talk a little bit. <laughs> um, so what's your 
you know, you mentioned Texas rats. I think anybody who knows you knows you're most yes. Texas rats right now. You mentioned the, the porfs. Um, so I guess you can clarify what's your main focus in colubrids right now. And do you see a shift coming anytime soon or like kind of what species you want to add as far as colubrids? It's on the radar. It's on the radar. What's the focus now? And then what's on the radar? Well, you guys know what's on the radar, but I'll, I'll get into all of it. Well, um, we know, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Texas rats are my first love. Um, the day I give up Texas rats, I think will be the day I die. Honestly, it's what got me into it. I don't think there will ever be a point where I don't have them. And all I have to say is with the animals I have, I'm just really excited to keep the train rolling on those. Um, I still think, so they are bred on, I'd say a, a bit more of a commercial level with like pet sellers than on this more private, um, keeper who's like just really into species and stuff. And now I do, I know I do work with the morphs, like the scale stuff. And I know that's not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. Um, but man, there's some beautiful animals there. I produced some beautiful scaleless Texas rats this year. Uh, and I can't wait to see where those projects go. Um, some other genetics trying to work towards like a world's first on a gene with scaleless. Uh, I'm, I'm in the race for that at least. So cross my fingers, I can get there. That'll, that'll take another few years for sure. But um, let's see. And then, yeah, definitely, I, I like the Porfs. I'd like to get more of those guys. So I keep Coxi and Violanti. And the Coxi, in my opinion, are really just the most through and through beautiful throughout their entire life. They keep yeah. the brightest oranges and the, the you know, jet black racing stripes forever. Unfor it's, it's quite unfortunate that the other three don't look as good as adults. But with that said, the babies are still cool as shit. The mm -hmm. Violanti, when I saw those, I was telling you guys beforehand. So I bought those from Billy at Daytona and they were from Matt most. Um, I didn't know they looked that good in person. So when I saw them, I was like, Oh shit. And then I did my walk bys. I saw them on the first day and I just kept stopping by the table, stopping by the table and then last minute of the show, finally walked away with them. So I got a pair of those. Those are cool. Um, and, you know, just as something, I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing, like, even without the mutations, just, like, the natural beauty of that yeah. species. Like, like, just think about it. We're talking about a bright orange, non-venomous snake. They look almost fake. And they, yes. Um, I brought my adult female, just, literally as an attention grabber to the Orlando Repticon show and the amount of people who said that looks fake. It's so shiny. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, my snake, I had a couple people tell me that's the best thing I've seen at the show. And they were like, how much, how much would you take for that? And I jokingly told them, I said, I said a thousand dollars, but I said, that's not even worth it because I'd lose all that time. Cause she's ready to breed. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, I said, I wouldn't even take a thousand, but 
Yeah. I mean, those, those guys are just awesome. And then, so the horizon, the one snake I've been looking at on Facebook since probably 2015, 2016, you got them, Justin, the rhino rats. And <laughs> fuck you, Jake. Over the over the last <laughs> over the, <laughs> seriously, I, I saw that snake and I was like, I need to have those one day. But the only reason I never got them in the past was because I always heard how hard they are to get established, how how weird they could be as babies. So I never, never pulled the trigger. I even messaged a guy about them who said he could deliver to Daytona. And I, he said, you know what? It's probably not the right time. Then of course I meet Billy that weekend. That's when me and Billy started becoming friends. You know, we talk about it. Then we talk about it on my show and he basically convinced me. He's like, Joe, you keep porfs, you keep Asian rat snakes. Like yeah. you can keep, you can keep these guys. Like you, you can do it. If you're keeping those others and they're doing well, you can keep rhino rats. I was like, that was, that was the one thing I needed to be like, okay, it's time. Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting and waiting for the right breeder, the right animal to come along. And then uh, two minutes after Dan Sheehan posted a picture, <laughs> Justin tagged me on it. And five minutes later, I, I sent a deposit for that snake. So I have a rhino rat coming. 2021 yeah, female produced was, by I Terry I Burwell. Like, perfect. I was like, hey, Joe. Well, this has been episode 270 THP. Uh, <laughs> no, man. That, that's awesome, though. Yeah, I saw your, uh, I, I saw you, you, you secured your ride out. I, I was very, I was yeah. very happy for you. That, that's thank that's you. Cool. you know, that's, yeah, Terry's stuff is, is top notch too. I've got a handful of rhinos from him and they're all flawless. Yeah, I actually hit him up because I was like, hey man, I've been somewhat of a lineage nerd and I know the, the rhinos can be a little variable. I'm not going to say they're like mm-hmm. anything like chondros, but like I, I know, you know, they have some variances. I was like curious if you, can try to find the records and parents of these guys just for my, you know, knowing. And he was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I thought that snake looked familiar. I'll get working on it. If I don't get back to you, just bother me about it. I haven't heard back from him, which is fine. Um, But yeah, that, that was cool of him to even, you know, take the time to answer me and that he'll look for it. So. Yeah, dude, Terry's like one of the most down to earth dudes. Yeah, he's got he's got an awesome collection. He's doing a bunch of really cool stuff. I do want to I want to get him on THP this year for sure at some point. Yeah, it's been a minute. I don't know. Was he on during my sabbatical? I think he might have been. Yeah, probably. I'll have to go back and look. Sad. But yeah, the uh, I mean the rhinos like you definitely I've noticed you have some that are sort of the deeper green like more of an evergreen kind of tone with you know maybe a little bit more of a bluish sort of hue to them and then you definitely have like the limey like lighter green ones um yes you know i I couldn't tell you off the top of my head if that's like a a sort of a locality lineage type deal where some are coming from like vietnam versus china or something but um i know like the ones matt produced over the years definitely were that deeper green and terry's i think similar you know that that sort of darker green and so what i've been seeing that i also like is that kind of like black and white you see between the scales those black and white pigmentations which 
R on the snake that I'm getting. So I'm kind of excited about that. And then they take a bit to go through like their full change. Like, do you think that one's done? Or do you think it still has like um, maybe a little more to no, go? No, I it's, think it's that a one probably still, has a, still probably has a little bit to go. Cool. Um, as far as like sort of the like the 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 adult coloration and stuff, I think is is almost sort of fully set in. Um, yeah. And then it just seems like over time you kind of just get like a darkening. Like they get that like the greens just get deeper. You know. Got it. Like, but they're they're awesome. Look, Jake's falling asleep. He's talking about rhinos. No, I'm just I'm just over here thinking like, oh, with rhinos, you you have you have some that have this this subtle subtle blue, a little bit of blue. I'll dude, show you a blue snake. My adult female, it ain't fair, dude. Her right. belly, her stomach is baby blue. It's ridiculous. It's you ever seen a powder blue barons? I've seen all your rhinos. None of them as blue as a blue baron, my friend. So what temperature are you keeping the the porfs? So, yeah, it's an interesting question, actually. And I think people are surprised by my answer. So I keep everything in my garage, all my species. Everything is within the same rack systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep the porfs closest to the floor uh, in a V18 rack or it depends on the size of them. But at the moment, that's what most yeah. of them are in. Um, so it ranges uh, during the summertime. It does get a bit warmer in here, and I was worried about it. However, I put a govi in, and I was tracking it. I was like, this might be okay. I, I'd say at the max it gets like 78 to 80, and I know that might be blasphemous to – like even saying 80 is blasph- blasphemous to porf breeders. So what I did, I originally had her in my room in a separate tank in like a relatively small tank at the time. And I hated that she was even in there, but whatever. I moved her into a tub down here and I said, we're going to test this. So I moved her down better. She ate better. She ate. Cause I know with these guys, if they're not comfortable, they're not going to eat. Right. So as long as she kept eating, she was good. So, okay, that's one said and done. Then I got hatchling from Matt this year, uh, hatchling male cocci. Uh, and I was like, this is going to be the real test because it's a hatchling. So it's like, right. it's either going to be hardy or it's not. Mm-hmm. And it ate and it ate and it smashes food and these guys are savages. Then I got the uh, the Vilanti, which I know their locale gets a little bit cooler. You do have to brewmate them, which Matt told me. Uh, I, I wouldn't have known that otherwise. Like at, at, at all ages? Like, um, adults like for breeding. Ones? Okay. For breeding. Yeah. yeah, you do have to brewmate them. I did cool them with my Texas rats as well. Like just, you know, mm-hmm. part of that. But uh, yeah, and, and they ate. My, my male is a little weird. He's one of those where I have to drop feed him. So I got to drop the frozen thawed mouse in there and and just leave it the female will eat off tongs but Mm -hmm. no problems here Hmm. that's the only thing that stopped me from keeping those in mandarins man is like i i i was just always under the impression that i could if i was going to keep them it'd have to be in my bedroom where it's cooler and yeah my wife would not appreciate that um and i just always kind of thought my room was just slightly too warm to really that where i just have problems you know 
Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's just kind of like what Billy said. Like, if the Rhinos and the Persinum are doing fine, then maybe. Yeah, and now, and I, I don't remember who even may have said it to me. I don't know where it was. Someone said like, you may have a problem breeding, but like, if they're eating, if they're doing good, there's not much telling me that they won't breed, especially. Especially the cocci, because they do not brewmate. So mm-hmm. they'll feel it because they're they're sitting ambient in my garage. So it does get cooler in here. It's cooler in here now than it is in the summer. Um so I th- I think I'm good. And you know, I, I do still live at home with my parents. Eventually I will move out. Um and I don't know how much you guys have seen it and or have talked about it. I, I really committed to getting myself a Wilbanks incubator eventually because of the brumation setting. I mean, that, that thing's amazing for any colubrid keeper. That seems like a no brainer. Cause you have a, well, especially have in a, Florida where like, and then down yeah, here, I mean, it's just so all over the place everywhere. Yeah, and whether or not I stay in Florida is still up for debate. Cause I, I may go back up to New York, but we'll, we'll see either way. I think it's still a really cool tool to use and it, why not? Yeah. I remember looking and at them plus, when, we first, yeah. when they first came out. I, I checked them out and just out of curiosity because I know there was like different sizes and stuff and they're, they're, they look nice. Like they look, they look legit. So I don't know about this Will Banks incubator. Is this like an incubator for cooling snakes down? Oh, so it's both. It's dual function. It cools and it, like it incubates and then it's made to get down to brumation temperatures. I got you. So you could treat it as like they make them in all different size models, but you could basically treat it as your your wine cooler or fridge for uh, brew mating, or you could treat it as your incubator. Because a lot of ball python breeders are just getting it because it's this new brand new shiny yeah. tool. Yeah. Um, but I, I see it for the brumation purposes, mm-hmm. thousand percent. So what's what's the biggest size tub you can put in these? Because my biggest thing is that when I heard about yeah. the whole wine cooler thing, I was yeah. like, oh man, that would be awesome. But when you have a can't fit a six foot yeah. pine snake, <laughs> when you've got a yeah. six and a half foot pine snake, it's not going to fit in a six quart shoebox. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Good. So they make, they make like, they make it like a big almost, fr- sorry, my hands aren't showing. They make it like a break, a big fridge size. So you could definitely fit tubs long ways. Do I know the dimensions off the top of my head? No. Uh, you, I don't want to say I'm like go right go now. research it yourself, but I know the biggest one is definitely, uh, you know, you could utilize that as a if larger if, scale colubrid breeder. If I could fit a thirty-two quart bin sideways in one, that would be adequate, you know, because I don't. The only thing is that they're big. Yeah. Uh, they're like, um, no, I'm sorry, they're expensive. They're oh, expensive yeah. as shit. I'm yeah. sure they are. <laughs> I can only imagine, uh, but that that is a that is a cool thing. <laughs> if you look at it, it's it just I can't help but giggle because the the capacity is measured in ball python clutches. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this the biggest one holds sixty four ball python clutches. Yeah. Let's see Sounds if it gives actual right. like actual dimensions. They are. I mean, they are. They they look nice. I I don't think I saw them. There weren't any at like Daytona. I heard the um like even for incubation, the variance is solid. 
because there are some people who have mm-hmm. bought them. Um, I actually have a DIY incubator here, but for colubrids, I'm just going to room temperature incubate, which is what I did this past year. Put those suckers on the show, baby. I put yep. them in my closet. <laughs> yes. So I'm looking at I'm looking at this. It doesn't have actual dimensions. It just says. Oh, are you on there too? Yeah, I'm looking at it now, just because I'm curious. Um. Well, help. Can't switch. Yeah, but again, it doesn't look wide enough to fit a, you know, a larger tub. Which. Well, so here, here's my kind of thing. Well, I don't want to say cram them in there, but here's my kind of thing with brumation. Given the fact that they're in this dormant state, like not moving, like, do you feel the need to go that big on a tub? No, I don't want to. I don't want to sound unethical by saying that. So I hope no one takes that the wrong way. But um, even the tubs. uh, So my short information is in my closet i put them in relative i'm going to call them relatively smaller tubs that they wouldn't be in on a normal basis they're smaller than a v70 um and yeah just for compaction purposes and no absolutely and a lot of people do that and i actually plan on doing that when you know i put stuff in the garage stuff that's in cages right now i put my v70 on one of those little wheelie cart thingies and I wheel the whole rack out there, which is, you know, it's kind of, but it, it works, you know, as far as the standalone tubs, I just take the tub out there, but stuff that's in cages, I plan on putting in a smaller bin. Now, the thing is, there's only so small you can go when a snake is so big. So my minimum, right. that's why I said 32 quart, my big pines right now are in V seventies. They're going to be in bigger enclosures soon. Okay. Uh, but it's literally a matter of fitting in one with at least with a water dish. Cause I, gotcha. do, I do leave a water dish in there. These pine snakes are not fitting in anything smaller than a 32, at least comfortably, you know, okay. I have no problems putting them in something smaller. That's why I said, if this can fit a 32 quart sideways, I'd be sold. Cause yeah. any, anything Damn. I keep could fit in one of those easily. He had, he had some nice captive bread, Aru chondros for sale. Not long ago. <laughs> No. So, and then, you know, that what you're talking about also leads into my struggle of like, what direction do I want to go in with the colubrids? And it's like, what do I want to get into? I really love the Asian species. I can't lie. Ever since I started seeing those, I'm like, I have to, have, I got, I got to catch them all with these Asian species, but they get a bunch of them get so damn big. It's like, geez like where do i go like i i know even the the mandarins like i feel like they're deceptive because i know they get long mullendorf i get big uh king rats are huge um like so so many of those snakes get rather large so i would never want to put myself in the position and even tub size like i love v70s i love anything that could fit in a v70 and then once you get bigger than that i'm just like that's a lot of space that you're taking up like just even footprint wise like in a in a in a room right and sorry i'm not i'm not like the rack versus cage thing i would like to upgrade maybe some things to cages eventually like i I love the rhino set have justin and like mine will be going in a tub um i know yeah i'm gonna 
kind of decade out, I'm, I'm actually looking at um, David Brahms, the, the reptile perches. I'm going to put a little perch in there so it could climb a, a humid hide, all, all that jazz. And, but, you know, um, upgrading those guys to a cage eventually would be awesome. I just like, I struggle with the mindset of like, where the hell am I going to put everything? Yeah. And that, and that struggle is real. I'm right there with you. You know, if it needs, if it needs something bigger than a four by two, then I'm probably out, you know, like my ideal cage is a three by two by 18. Um, but because I keep carpets, they, they, I'm big on vertical space. You know, I love 18 to two foot tall cages. Um, you know, but since I already keep carpets and stuff like that, stacking up four foot cages is, isn't going to make that much of a difference. Now, if I have a hundred of them, that's a completely different story. But, you know, if you have a few things that take up those four by two by 18s, you know, then it, that that's I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, and even right now, just in terms of expansion, like, as I mentioned, I'm still in my my parents garage with the snakes. So it's like I. I I'm quite limited at the moment, so I'm kind of with what I'm bringing this year. I'm kind of pushing it. I'll probably have to like be like, "Hey, I have to get this rack," but uh, <laughs> hope they're not. Hope they don't hear me, and hope I'm not too loud. But yeah, that's probably what it's gonna have to come down to. Is like, "Hey, I, I'm gonna have to get this rack." And good thing Sea Serpents is local because I love the V18 style racks, and I'll get those all day for hatchling snakes. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's just yeah. a good sized tub. Yeah, man, and that—that's the Justin. While I was listening to your episode, the—the the, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, the correct tub sizes are V15, V18, and then V35. Yes, thank S. you. It's V35 S, um, but it's 15, 18, 35S. That's that's the the progression on on same the, thing. No, close enough. You said V11. That doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said V12. I think he said 12. I think he said 12 or 10 said, or some shit. Said like, I said he, he 5, was, 11. He was jumping <laughs> everywhere. I was, well, I, was I said that. the FB5s because that's the Freedom Breeder model. Yes. That I know. The free, F- it's the FB5 F- is the V15. Yeah, that's the Freedom Breeder version, which I actually like the Freedom Breeder tubs more than I actually I bought V35. Like water bowl holders. Yes, I do. Ugh. They're it's nice. Funny. They're nice. Dude, I'm telling you, so man. Those I hate them so much. On the bigger tubs, I... I'm kind of about it on those size tubs. I do like it. The nice small deli cups is, is very convenient. So I bought the free. I don't remember the exact size because I've memorized freedom breeder tubs as well. Um, but it's the V 35 S version for freedom breeder. And I bought them because they had cup holders because I had a lot of pitchers that were flipping their water dishes constantly right. and that was full bedding changes all this and that and it was annoying the hell out of me so do i prefer having a water dish or a water a cup holder in the tub no but does it work very very well yes like i i would much rather be able to move it around if they could put that cup holder in the left corner of the tub if they were smart they'd make day. it like magnetic to where you could move it yeah, that would be awesome too, you know. But I'm a I'm big on cup stationary cup holders, man. Um, if I could switch everything, every tub I've got to a cup holder tub, then I'm sold. Other than the V70s, because I like big dishes when it comes yeah. to V70. I don't like the the 
60 yes. cups, you know. Well, I, you know I, what they're made for, right? They're made yeah. for ball pythons yeah. that don't uh, that don't that don't need a big water dish. And yeah. respectfully so, I don't. I use the. Uh, I don't know if you guys have them or know the the KT bowls. I love those. The ceramic oh, yeah. bowls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those are my favorite things in the world that come in a billion different sizes. I use like this very. I guess they're all circular, but it's it's like a smaller circle, but like kind of large, and it's a little tall for the balls, the ball pythons, and then the all the rat snakes. I have the much wider circles that aren't like super deep, but they can sit and mm-hmm. bathe in it when they want to. I tell you, the best thing I did for larger water dishes. So I use I was using these regular dog bowls that you get at Walmart, and then I bought plastic uh tupperware containers that almost fit them perfectly but they could follow in them a little bit and i found these other dog bowls at i don't know if you guys have food line we have food lion here no. found these dog Cow bowls I, yeah i found these dog bowls at food lion they're a little bit bigger at the base but they have a rubber edge you know that can okay. actually come off but it's got a rubber edge and the inserts that i have like the plastic bowls fit in them perfectly don't move at all and it's way harder for the snake to move them because of that rubber on the okay. bottom it's harder to push and i'm switching everything that had a regular dog bowl to those because they fit so perfectly it's way easier to get the insert out i the way i work everything is i have a million delis of the sizes i use and I wash them in my dishwasher. I gotcha. put all the used ones in there. Every time I change water, it gets a new one. It's sped up my water changes. I'm not sitting there waiting on cups to disinfect with spray. Yeah. It's cleaner. It's faster. Brand new cup every time. And you're not wasting a bunch of plastic. It is, that was the best move I ever did with keeping this stuff, man. It's It works perfectly. But I'm big on cup holders. If I can have a cup holder for every damn thing in this room, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, most of them don't. It's really only for the big stuff because they it's a lot easier for them to flip over their plastic cups. But, yeah, whatever. Gotcha. So what was the motivation for starting the uh, the podcast? Yeah. So I felt like and so I. I was a part of all these groups and group chats and whatnot, um, ball Python related and, uh, watching not, not necessarily watching, but seeing a lot of content that was just totally circled around a lot of ball pythons and other species. And I just felt that in my space, in the community that I was in, that people just didn't know about colubrids like at all. Like, Mm -hmm. like they know what a corn snake is. They've seen them at shows, but they don't know things like the porfs exist. And I have those porfs and I would show them off. And when I would show them off, people were just like, Oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah, I've known about these things for years. I've had them for years and like, they're just, they're awesome. And I wanted to bring that education to that crowd. I I've always said since I started it, it was like, uh, that's what I kind of want my show to be. Yes. It's for colubrid people, of course, cause I'm bringing on a bunch of different guests, but it's 
to help bridge that gap for people who just don't know that some of these species exist. Um, and you know, I, you guys, and I'll be straight up, like I'm learning every single episode. You guys have just ignited my passion more and more for these colubrids. Like you guys have no idea what this has done for me, but, and then talking to people, like I said, I met Billy at Daytona. Like I, I pitched, I basically pitched him the idea. I was like, Hey, I've been thinking about doing this. I was like, what, what do you think? And he was like, dude, I, th I think that's really cool. And maybe that was more once we were talking a little bit on Instagram here and there back and forth. But um, yeah, that's really where it came from. Um, and I had, I had a lot of people like pushing me. I pitched the idea to my friends and they thought it was, it was a cool idea. And I, I got people in my corner uh, who have my back. So I was like, hey, this might be a good idea. So I, I said, screw it. Um, the same thing about, about YouTube. Like I started YouTube. I have YouTube videos and I haven't really posted videos much. I'm definitely going to get back into the swing of that um, with the stuff out of brumation and breeding season coming. I always say I'm going to do do more YouTube stuff too because I would sprinkle that in periodically with our stuff. But I just yeah you know, finding no, the energy I, and, and motivation to edit and stuff like that. I just I'm, I can't. Yeah, no, I actually enjoyed it. Like it, it was cool. I just kind of, I ran dry on topics and stuff mm -hmm. to do it on. But now that, you know, all the Texas rats are back, all these other colubrids, like there, there's cool videos I can make, especially with the ball pythons. My ball python videos got the most attention, of course. Um, like I did like a ball python collection tour video, which got close to a thousand views, which is pretty good for me. Mm -hmm. Um and, and even like pulling my first ball python clutch, uh, pulling the girl off the eggs, like me literally just pulling the eggs, nothing else, got close to a thousand views as well. So like all that stuff was motivating me. And I, I really, it's all about just saying, screw it, just go ahead and do it. Cause I had people that were like, if you're going to do it, you got to just do it. Like rip yeah. that bandaid off yeah. um, and do it. A lot but of with the, overthink it like a lot. Like yeah. hundred percent. Like they put too much effort into trying to figure out what they're going to do a video on. And then it just doesn't happen. And it just, it's like, yeah. Like, like I did a lot of the, the Condro videos and a lot of that was just based off a lot of the questions I get from people, you know, as far yep. as like housing for babies and like shed issues, so, you know, all the, all the things that, that are likely to be, something that that people are going to come across and then if i ever got a question about it I'd be like oh i did a video on it check this out and if you have any questions after watching that like hit me up you know just it just made yeah. that that whole thing a little easier to um you know instead of typing out all that stuff i'm like here's a you know a 10 minute video on on how i set up babies and again like watch it and then if you have questions afterwards like or if you just want to talk like hit me up you know just yeah it's more passive way of, of getting information to people, I guess. Yeah. And then, and then with the podcast, I really just said like, like this, you have to be committed to Cause it's like, if you don't do this consistently, like it's just not going to work. And I, and I know that I, I know that's, that's how that game works. Um, also again, on the ball Python side, like it, it's that the podcast market is cluttered. Um, there, there's so much out there. I interfere, I, I interfere with a few, on that side. And I know part of my viewership are ball Python people. So it was like, whatever, but that's besides the point. Um, and plus, so I say this in the absolute nicest 
way. And I didn't know, I didn't know you guys before I started the podcast, obviously. Um, things like Klubrid and Klubroid. And I give, I talk about Zach and Matt and Clint every single one of my episodes. So I, I hold them to the highest regard. They put out amazing content, but I think for the average person, it might be a little too nerdy. And even sometimes with, with you guys too, but your crowd, that's what, that's yeah. what they want to hear. That's what they want to do. I'm talking to those people who don't know a thing or I, I'm trying to. And then, uh, you know, I have some people who have been coming over, like they want to see you guys. So they come watch my show. And I think I've been gaining a little bit of viewership that way, but I try to start with the whole introduction. I do the whole interview thing. And then I try to ask some, like, I think decent questions. Like mm -hmm. I really try to make you guys think a little bit, you know, I threw the whole uh, rhino rat thing at you last week with the, the Hananensis and, and whatnot. Like, I, like, I think that was a good, uh, not a controversial, but like, it's, it's a question. It's a good yeah. thing to talk about it. And with everyone, I've, I've tried to do that to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all had, all the guests have had amazing conversations. So really that's what it's about is creating awesome conversations, um, bringing new people to the platform, Yeah, you know, who don't get as much light as they maybe should. Um, and, you know, again, just trying to bridge, bridge that market a little bit, bridge, mm -hmm. bridge, make it all collide. Yeah. And, you know, two, two things on that one, your episodes are very well thought out. You, you have a very you. good outline every single episode. It's like, there's, there's never really a dull, a dull moment. Every time the conversation drops off one topic, you got another question lined up. Yeah. I think that's awesome. You do a very, very good job outlining your episodes. Um, Thank you. Uh, kudos to you on that. We have a bad habit of derailing here and <laughs> not really having, not really having an outline together. You know, we try to usually have something put up, but you know, speak whatever. for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe it's just me. Uh, I'm the problem. Um, but you, you do a very good job outlining your episodes. And um, two, you mentioned how, uh, a lot of your viewership are ball python people because you know that's kind of where you were for there for a minute um but i think that's awesome i think that's great i think that's what we need you know you you bridge yeah. that gap between ball python keepers and colubrid keepers now with that you're bringing guys like us who keep more colubrid centric collection collections you're bringing that to light and showing the ball python people yeah, you're showing the ball python people there's more out there than just that's, ball python. Yeah, that's what's always but I always like I but never guess understood what? how how people can just keep balls and yeah. not see anything else outside of that that realm, you know. It's like there's so many species out there to keep. Like how can you just put the blinders on and and like not see yeah. rhinos and all that other stuff. Yeah. And then even like I I have I call it like my all other reptiles freestyle segment where we don't talk about colubrids. We talk about whatever the hell else you have. Like sky was great talking about all the, all the monitors, you guys with, with the carpets and Justin, we talked about chondros last week. Like it's all great. And then we're Absolutely. continuing to bridge that gap. Cause we're talking about all those different things, but yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, just try my best. I, I know. I mean, that's yeah. that's no, you do that's you good. do you do a fantastic job, and that also that that also kind of goes to show of like, oh, I don't have to only keep one species. Mm-hmm. You know what yes. I mean? Like everybody's got a focus. You know, like my main focus is rat snakes. You know, yep. obsolete, obsolete. That is hands down by far my main focus. But I love pituophis, so I have pituophis. I love carpets, so I have carpets. You know, you don't have to be a, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be black and white. You can have other things. Obviously, you have to be within your parameters. You have to keep stuff that is kind of yes. at least similar. So it go, flows with your room, all that jazz. But there's a lot of species lot. that that will just flow just fine in your ball python room, you know, and probably you don't even have to have heat on them. You know, yep. like it's yeah. there's there's a lot out there, and I I, I do think you do a fantastic job at. at I think you, nice app. yeah, yeah, something like that is definitely I think needed. You know, it's it's yeah. I think Billy was talking about how it was vending one time, and I think he had some jungle carpets or something, and someone came up and asked what morph it was. Yes, yeah, you know, and it's like that kind of stuff. It's like I just I I I struggle to relate because I can't envision myself keeping one species and not being aware of like anything else outside of that so to me it's it's so foreign but like you think about that and other people it shows who you know you'll have carpets and maybe it's just some some pop ones or something and same thing like oh what morph is that and it's like it's not a morph this is exactly how they are like this is what there's this is it like yeah you know and it's and, to and have it's, it's like funny that, it's good yeah and it's funny you mentioned like the billy at the show thing like funny enough like there was uh at that orlando show i was at um last month or so someone asked one of my ball python friends if there were any garter snakes and guess who he sent them over to he sent them over to me because he was like who the hell else knows about colubrids that he could send them (laughs) over to in his head that's probably what he said and he sent them over to me and they asked um and i was like I have no idea. It's not me though. And I don't think anyone did either way. And then he came up to me after he was like, Hey, I had some people looking for something. I sent them over to you. I was like, yeah, I don't got it, but thanks. (laughs) No, but like, you'll find over time with the podcast, like you, you got a guy for everything. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're looking for Europlatus. Like here's who you got to go to. You're looking for, you know, you're looking for Alterna. You're looking for Leonis, whatever. Like we got a guy. We know a guy. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's, and, uh, what's re- that's what's really cool about it, man. Because <laughs> I've told some people, you know, because I've had random people kind of be like, you know, I've been thinking about getting into snakes. I'm like, you know, do some research. If I've got something you want, I'll hook you up. If I don't have what you want, I know somebody who does. Pretty yeah. much whatever it is, unless it's something insanely obscure, you know. But yeah, and that's what I tell. Available, I can find it. <laughs> no. Yeah, and that's what I tell all the ball python people. Like I'm in a bunch of these group chats and whatever. I'm like, guys, if you ever have questions about colubrids, just run it by me. And if I can't answer your question, I will get you someone who can answer your question or who has what they're what you're looking for. Okay. And and that's how it always is because I I've had some some of those people in those groups who have taken an interest into, you know, new different species, some, some colubrids, and it's really awesome to see. So I, I think not that I, I've had much of an influence yet, but I, I think it'll keep coming over time, but uh, I'm, I'm just excited to be doing it. And hopefully I could keep bringing on a diverse group of guests. Cause 
you know, that's what makes the world go around. I'll, I'll give a spoiler. Um, we're talking Lamb Prophets, House Snakes this weekend. So, you know, that that's one I haven't touched on. Um, so, yeah, it's cool to bring a, a new thing to the table. Those have been on my hit list for a long time, too. I don't know if I'll Dude, ever black, my black, hands on them. But, oh. Black house snakes are amazing. I had one. At, I kept uh, took care of one at the pet store I worked at for mm-hmm. a while. I was like, this thing's awesome. And they're so inexpensive, just very nice, simple to take care of snakes. Like, great. They're the most Python-esque colubrids. Yes, 100%. You can have, you know. Um, but... Um... Yeah, man, I th- I think you do. I think you do a great job with the show. And man, you're only what nine episodes deep? Ten? Eight. 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 Uh, yeah. Nine's gonna be this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, you're just you're just scratching the surface, man. Yeah. I mean, exactly. There's, there's a lot to be done, dude. It's that's the cool thing about colubrids is like if you have a specific podcast dedicated to one thing. Not to say you're going to hit a ceiling, but there's not going to be over time. There's not going to be much you haven't covered. There's a certain yep. there's a certain amount of space right. for it to work. Like Condorcast, yeah, prime example. There's just there's not not a ceiling, but it's, you run out of stuff. It's really hard to not have the same conversation. Yeah, yeah. but and when I'm when you have it opened up to like colubrids to where it's like, yeah, it's things endless. are similar, but they're not like, there's enough, there's enough wiggle room there to, to keep it going, you know? It's- and I'll be honest, the two species I'm scared the most of in terms of repeating content, corns and hognose. The, those are the two that are like the most hot and common right now where it's like, I, I, I can't do those like so close together. You know, I have to, I have to spread those guests out when I want to, bring them on mm-hmm. yeah corns but, are the corns are a little different because i mean corns at least like with yeah the, a the little bit and the history behind yes. some of them and stuff like that you know um true like corn stars corn keep stars. in mind this is coming from the guy with a corn snake podcast yeah well yeah i know i know, I know. also kind of like but it's a seg it's a segment that he does and you guys do all these shows so like it, right. it's you know yeah definitely adds it's all it always always morphs into like what else are people keeping outside of corns? Cause most of those guys yeah. have other colubrids and stuff too. So it's like, yep. But I feel like where you can, what y'all are doing with corn stars is, you know, you're, you're asking every, seems like everybody you have on has a different like focus in yes. corns. Yeah. And there's so yeah. many different focuses you can have just in corns. Yep. Uh, it, it definitely can be its own show, you know, Condros not so much a little harder you know but it is it's a lot harder there's so, <laughs> there, but there's there's so many morphs out there and different you know you can have an episode just about one morph and make a whole episode about mm-hmm. it you know the background what you're doing with it what it does with other morphs all that you know it's yeah. it's endless you know and it's the same thing with just colubrids in general man i mean you have there's so many colubrids. it's the most widespread you know, family of snakes. It's it's insane. You know, there's yeah. there's colubrids in every every continent. You know, yep. there's you're gonna you're gonna get them. I mean, maybe not everyone, but you know, the large majority. Um, what has been uh, like when you started the podcast versus now? You know, granted, you're you're eight weeks in. Um, you know, what is what has changed from 
what did you expect going into to sort of what you've come to find now? I gotta tell you, I was really nervous. Like, like literally when I hit the the record button mm-hmm. on StreamYard or the the go live, like you hear you hear it in my voice. I I I've had my bouts with public speaking. Like, I just don't like it. I don't like talking on a public you know, platform, but I kind of grew out of that in college. I took a public speaking class, so I've kind of evolved and I, I think I speak well nowadays, though I still get those nerves, but um, I've started to become really comfortable and people have commented on that, like just to me, yeah. which yeah. is appreciative. Yeah. Um, and really just kind of just going with the flow. Uh, it's starting to become kind of a flow now. The mm-hmm. episode with you, Justin, I'll be honest. So I, the first seven episodes, I have a detailed layout that I basically have, and I kind of just edit it per person. It's like the same layout, but I kind of just make specific questions. You, I kind of just did off a whim. I kind of just went into it. And, and I really don't, I didn't know you like that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you learn a lot in two hours. Uh, I feel like we're friends now, but you know, so that that was cool. I was able to come up with questions on the fly, things I yeah. wanted to talk about. There were things I wanted to bring up. So it's starting to become in that kind of mm-hmm. natural feel now. Yeah, and it's and I'm sure it won't be like that every time, especially with snakes. I'm um, swimming in, you know, unfamiliar waters with like species I really just don't know that much about. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think I said it before, I'm getting schooled on all these episodes because I, I really just, I, I don't know everything and, and who does, but, um, you know, I only keep three species right now. So of colubrids. So, yeah, that, that was actually, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause that was the other thing I wanted to compliment you on is how, you know, when you and I were talking about the episode, we kind of, I started elaborating a little bit and you're like, like, nope save for the episode i don't want to i basically i don't want to know you going into this yeah and i feel like that brings a much more organic thing because like i think you and i exchanged five six messages before the show you know and i think it wasn't much yeah and i think that's really cool because it's not like you're not asking a question being like oh i know the answer already but i'm gonna ask you so everybody else can hear it's like, I don't know what you're about to say and I'm going to ask you. And I feel like it gives a much, much more organic feel to it. And I think it's really cool that you do that. Yeah, thanks. And I'll tell you what, that first episode being so short, that was the hardest one because I talk to Kevin all the time. That yeah. That's I've been talking to him on Facebook for the last seven years. I knew everything he said and he said it on Clubroid and Clubroid as well. So I was hearing the same answers, but I did it for the audience as well. Right. And I, and mm-hmm. I knew all the answers to the questions I asked, but. And there's nothing wrong the with show. that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know, I, I just, I like how you basically don't like, I didn't know you at all, yep. you know, before our episode. And I, I liked it. I thought it was really yeah. cool being like, all right, this is, this is new. This is cool. You know? And I, I, just I think it makes, it makes for a better conversation. Absolutely. For mm-hmm. sure. Way more organic stuff. And, and because again, what I've been seeing from all my guests is really the true passion about the animals. That's what this is about. That's what we're all here for. So 
these conversations come natural to us. Like it shouldn't be hard for us to have these conversations. So it's, it's very, very easy to speak with everyone I've spoken to so far. It's more like getting to know somebody that you just met at a reptile show, you know, except it's a little bit more thought out because you have an outline and all that, you know, but it's more, more of getting, it's more getting to know somebody and having a conversation versus interviewing somebody you know like it, and that's that's I what i told cool. jake from the beginning was like when we were starting this it was like it's just a conversation that's what i tell people like people be like oh i'm nervous you know i'm like it's just a conversation like that's it Stop. yeah it yeah. ain't you know don't overthink it um you know like the outline i sent you like it seems short but it's like the it's like the guide rails at, at the bowling alley you know it's yeah like, it's, it's meant to just kind of keep things in the lane it's not meant to be super structured and like a b c d you know it's just yeah it's like just keeps it keeps it in line keeps it in a, in a linear direction because we are going to bounce a little bit you know it's not going to yeah. be straight down the lane it's gonna it's gonna ping pong a, a, a tad and that's why it's shorter is to leave room for that stuff leave oh room yeah for Jake to go on about amazon trebo is and how much he screwed that up and like <laughs> you know, why rhinos are better and like that kind of stuff. So yes. I don't know, like over, over time, we've definitely, you, you find sort of a, a routine and how you, how you, you start, work. you start to and flow. It, once you, once you find that it's yeah, it's, it's a breeze. And Joe, you're, you're starting to flow really, really well, dude. Thanks. Like it is. It, it really shows every episode. I feel like you're yeah. progressing and, and it shows. And I'll tell you, cause I, when we first started this, I had it in the, kind of like you said like the public speaking thing i i can do any podcast all day that's fine because to me it's no there's not really an audience there there's people in front of me and i have to talk it's a problem i can't public speak for shit you'll hear my voice i'm shaky you know blah 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 i've actually i found that this has actually helped me in that regard it has it definitely has yeah like Like, i'm I'm not bothered by it as i used to be I'm better interviewing. Like, you know, I've had a few interviews over since I've had several since we started this, you know, and I've gotten way better at talking, you know, but if I'm like on a stage and talking to like a crowd, not dog. Yeah. That's not me. (laughs) See, I don't know. The way I see it is like, we, we make jackasses of ourselves. Yeah. In people's speakers, like hundreds and thousands of people's speakers on a regular basis. Like what difference does it make if they're in front of me? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's just it doesn't bother me as much because like I sound like a jackass later instead of in front of all these people. But it's also different because in my line of work, if I have to make a speech, I have to look very professional and like a real person on this. I can be a jackass. And that's like a, a real person. Yeah, I'm not a real person. <laughs> I want to be a real boy. I'm a real boy. <laughs> yeah. But and I and that's the other thing with your show, Joe, is I feel like you're you gave me the vibe of what I get on your podcast is what I'm going to get in real life. And I think that's, oh. that's a, that's a huge thing. You know, me and Justin have said, if you meet us in person, it ain't no different. Yeah. Like, you know, if anything, it might be a little worse, <laughs> like, you know, but you <laughs> and know, by the way, we are all, I, I'm, I'm joining the crew at Daytona this Absolutely. year. Cause the fact that I was there and like, you know, it's, it's funny how things go full circle and we just didn't know each other. And it, it's, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but next year is going to be 
fun for it's, sure. It's, the snakes yeah, and stogies cabana just gets bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, man, it's, it, I'm I'm super stoked. They are there. You're definitely you definitely got to come hang out, man. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, it's funny how everybody like kind of like at some point or another, everybody kind of like separates a little bit during the days when everybody comes together at night. Like there was one point, I think me and Sky were walking around. We were like, "Yeah, let's go grab some food." And we were hitting the restaurant in the hotel, and all of a sudden we saw Pain Chab. We're like, "Hey, man, you want to come eat?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm hungry." And all of a sudden, Jason Keller shows up, Casey Cannon shows up, you know. And then there's a few of us just be bopping around eating. You know, you just run into people that you know yep. from your stupid podcast. <laughs> it's just, it's funny, man. I really, it's such a good time, dude. Daytona is my favorite weekend of every single year, no doubt. Yeah. Hotels oh, yeah. already booked, mm-hmm. baby. I gotta do that. Yes, do it now. Yeah, I right. will. Luckily, they only require a deposit right now. Okay. It's not. It's it's a very small portion of the deposit, and you pay the rest. Okay. There, so gotcha. it's, it's not like a. It's not a, yeah, you don't get fucked right now, just later. But, you know. Just a preview. Yeah, it's just a preview. No, I wasn't playing around this year, boy. As soon as I saw those hotels were up, I said, yes, sir. I'm going to go ahead and book that. So, hopefully, we get South Tower this time again. This was my first, <laughs> this was my first year in the that South walk Tower, sucks. dude. This, this was my first year in the South Tower, and being right there, shoes you get off the elevator, the gazebos yep. right outside. I was like, oh yeah, dude, you get to your room in like thirty seconds and gotta walk. You have to walk three hundred yards. That's it. You don't have to walk four blocks just to get to your <laughs> elevator. That doesn't work half the time, and oh, it's great. But it's the best weekend of the year. Yep. Well, boys, we are two hours and eight minutes in. Uh, do we have any more questions or comments for Joe, Sir Smitty? I don't believe so, unless you do. I think we about covered everything. So, Joe, where's where's the best place for people to contact you? You know, give us all your plugs, man. Yeah, uh, at Meteoric Serpents on Instagram. That's M E T. E-O-R-I-C, Serpents, um, on Instagram. Uh, that's also my YouTube name, Meteoric Serpents. I do have Morph Market. I have a couple uh, cool Texas rats available if anyone's into those. Um, you know, you could search me pretty much on anything. I use Facebook too, but it's just my Instagram posts that filter through to Facebook. Uh, otherwise, yeah, send me a message. Um, whoever hears this, if uh, you want to check out my show sorry shameless plug but uh no man you know, we go live and i i had both of these guys on so you should check out their episodes for sure um and some other awesome cool people so yeah just you know gonna keep that train rolling i'm really excited about this season and yeah that's about it and if you go on youtube and you know you you don't know how to spell meteoric just type in colubrid corruption podcast and that comes, too it comes, comes right up, up. yeah yep. I, that that's what i do now because i've looked up your show every week pretty much it's like on my feed every week now and, and i have a i have a playlist on there so like if you want to just binge watch all of them uh they're all in a nice playlist for you and they'll just be on autoplay yeah it's great man so i it was funny be, you just being on youtube i was like man how's this gonna yeah, work? i know how's this gonna work like listen to the podcast but then I realized it's 
all the same. The only difference is when I pause it, I have to open up my phone to play it again. Yes. But like yes. I drive so much for work. I literally sit it on my truck, little phone holder yep. thing and I just drive. It's, it's no different. Yeah. I think it might be something I incorporate down the line and, uh, selfish me. I'm, I am trying to grow my YouTube channel as well. So I started off doing that. So I, I think eventually I will move to the p- podcast platforms as a secondary. But yeah. Yeah. Do it. No doubt, man. Awesome. Well, this has been a fantastic episode with you, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Uh, yeah. It's been a, been a really I appreciate good it, guys. Yeah. Make sure everybody checks out Joe, man. He's, he's doing a lot of good stuff and uh, he's, he's definitely going to be a heavy hitter. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. Once again, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. You need a rack. You need, you a, need cage. a cage. Black box is all the rage. Right. They're, they're best of the best. That's all we use here. They are fantastic. Hit them up. Best lead times in the biz. They are amazing people. Me and Justin make the trek to go there every year. Not only to save on shipping, but also to see the amazing people that run Black Box. So definitely check them out. And of course, our longest standing uh, supporter, Steve Snakeshuary. Venom hit hot him, sauce. Hit him up. Check him out. Buy his hot sauce. You're, you're supporting a good cause and a great dude doing awesome stuff. And you get some great hot sauce in the meantime. So if that that tickles your, that tickles your peach. Go ahead and get that. Cottonmouth is great. Cottonmouth sauce. Do yourself a favor and get the whole freaking set, baby. It is the way to go. That's right. Got to try it. And then, of course, we're not going to forget it this time. Nah. Fulvia's apparel with my good my good friend and co-host Justin Smith. Check him out. He's got the coolest gear in the hobby right now. Probably one of the only people doing reptile-related t-shirts. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot. You can't have enough of those, and they are all come up with by Justin himself. This isn't some. This is original, original Flavius Designed, printed, shipped, made with love by me. Made with love and care. maybe he kisses every it, single shirt. I do. If you're lucky, uh, uh, errant beard hair may uh may be found on on said shirt. So nice. save <laughs> that for if you want. Preserve you, it. You can clone um, it. You can clone them in a couple of years. Put it in a little vial and wear it as a necklace. Oh. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> on so, that note, supposedly it's good luck. I don't know. That's a, that might be a Use the code THN at checkout on blackboxcages.com. Get 10% yes. off your order. Use yes. that same code THN at checkout on fullviusapparel.com. Get 15% off your order. That is the exclusive coupon code for THN listeners and viewers like you. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Joe. This has been a wrap. Awesome episode. Yeah. Thank, thank you for everyone that tunes in you could be listening to anybody but you're listening to us we appreciate Chondrocast is coming back sunday yes check that out and snakes and stogies on monday then corn stars draft next week thursday that'll be live that'll be good that that draft episode is fun as hell dude nice i had a blast doing that last year i won't enjoy it doing it this year don't know who's joining us yet sounds like it might be might be quite the quite the crew but we'll see so be on the lookout.
All right. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You. Thanks for having me, guys. No yeah, problem. Man.